live from the Salvation Army National Headquarters, this is the Fight for Good podcast. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fight for Good podcast. I'm your host, Lieutenant Colonel Tim Foley, broadcasting here in my lovely bright office in Alexandria, Virginia at National Headquarters. It's great to have you here today. With me is my right left arm, my right left foot, my everything, everything. Just He just is just a solid guy, makes me stand up straight every day. Mr. Jeff McDonald, our editorial director. Hello, sir. Greetings. Good to be with you, Colonel Foley. Great to be engaged in this, especially today. You're okay over there in uh, the southern part of, or the eastern part, or where Where are you? In I Virginia? am in Fairfax County, near the bustling Costco, near the which bustling. is a landmark in our world. Okay. <laughs> but uh, we're traversing cities, states today, we with are. all of us joined together. That's we are. We're we're all, over, we're all over the country. We're broadcasting on a really nice day today here in Alexandria, Virginia, in the middle of uh, our beautiful autumn season. And with us today are two very, very special people that many of us in the Salvation Army, when we hear their name, we just kind of sigh and go, my heroes. Oh, my goodness. We are so thrilled. We have the editors of the Word and Deed uh journal with us today, Dr. Roger Green and Dr. Jonathan Raymond. Dr. Green, greetings from Virginia to you all the way up there in Massachusetts. Thank you. It's a joy to be here. And also, we're having a beautiful day in Boston. So we share that with you today. Also, looking out my window and I'm looking to the west and somewhere out there, I can see the green rolling hills of Kentucky the beautiful, beautiful Wilmore, Kentucky area. Dr. Jonathan Raymond, an honor and a pleasure. So good to hear from you today, sir. It's, uh, it's wonderful to be uh, in this discussion today with you all. Well, what we're going to do today is, is talk to you both and, and invite our listeners in, uh, get, get a little bit of insight of one of our publications that's really a specialty. It's published twice a year, and it's been published over 20 years. Uh, and we have recently, in recent year, we uh, we expanded the uh, the subscription base for it, so that now every officer in the United States gets a copy of it. Uh, but this theological journal, affectionately known as Word and Deed, was uh, really uh, uh, part of part of uh, your um, well, you both you both gave birth to this journal. Could you give us a little bit of insight how the journal came about? Well, I can begin by looking kind of as a prelude to the journal, and then um, Jonathan can pick up from there from our Gordon College connection. But um, probably about forty-five years ago or so, uh, in the Eastern Territory. We did have a um, kind of a historical commission, and we had a um, a place for archives, for historical archives. And so I did quite a bit of work down there in New York City. And um, a number of us who, well, three or four of us who were connected with that thought, wouldn't it be a good idea 
to have a historical journal. Now, at that time, we weren't thinking theologically so much as historically. And uh, so um, one of the members brought that to the administration. The administration wasn't quite ready for that yet. Um, But yet we were glad we at least brought that to the attention of the Salvation Army administration. Uh, So that um, that pretty much died out for a while until um, Jonathan Raymond um, came to Gordon College, where I was teaching as the dean of the faculty. And Jonathan, why don't you take the story from there? Yeah, that was 1990. And um, Roger and I uh, got together over lunch. Uh, and, you know, those kind of lunches, you go away with some notes on a, da- on a napkin. Uh, but what we had agreed to is we put a, po- a proposal together um, and and send it to the national commander uh, and, and ask if we could have a conversation with him about a scholarly journal and uh, that would that would just serve the purpose of of uh, theology and ministry kinds of papers, articles, um, things that uh, we know is out there. In Salvationists and others, um, but it just needs to be pulled together into some kind of an academic journal format. So we put the pr- proposal together, and um, it we we wrote a letter to the national commander saying uh, we just want to discuss it with you. Please don't take it to the commissioner's conference. Uh, we got a letter back uh, a couple, few weeks later. He had taken it to the commissioner's conference, and. Uh, and they assigned the the the, um, the early the, the latest commissioner in the conference, which was Commissioner Paul Rader at the time, to write us a John letter. John, uh, what are they dear John it? letter, dear, dear John dear. letter, yeah. uh, and and so we got one from the commissioner and uh, saying that the uh, commissioner's conference had turned it down. Uh, but at the bottom of the letter, he wrote in yeah, in hand uh, at the bottom of the formal letter. He wrote, I'm interested in this. Please stay in touch. So we did. Uh, every sixth month, uh, twice a year, we w- would write him a letter uh, and say, hope you're still interested in this. And then uh, a few years later, Roger and I are invited to the National Forum in Chicago that the Army held uh, because Commissioner Rader and Commissioner Irwin wanted to have uh, a discussion with us about about uh, about the journal and, and the possibility. Well, then after that lunch, national headquarters, the, the national commander asked for a committee to be formed. And uh, Colonel uh, Hank Garapi uh, chaired the committee that put together a formal uh, in-house proposal for a new journal. And so that that uh, Blue Ribbon Committee and uh, some wonderful people uh, uh, who served on that, and Roger and I were were fortunate to be asked to, on that committee as well. The uh, they made a proposal to the commissioners' conference, and it went right through. Uh, actually, this was uh, about about seven years after our initial proposal was the first issue in in. 1998, in November 98, the first issue of of Word and Deed, and um, the national head, the commissioner, the national commander asked Roger and I, through Colonel Garropy, if if we would 
uh, be the editors, and we were we were delighted. And so that's how it started, and and now it's 22. This this November issue coming out uh, is 22 years later. Yes. What, what what need did you see the journal as fulfilling that kept your your persevering so? The Army has had a lot of uh, interesting uh, magazines and journals and so forth from the very beginning, even from the Christian Mission days. There was the Christian Mission magazine, and then that evolved into other other things, which became the war cry, but also they had so many other kind of publications. But in its history, it never had a, a strictly a theological journal. And so um, we, we, Jonathan and I decided that's, that's the way we would like to go. And we feel that's what's most needed by the army, a theological journal. Uh, so um, that's, that's how it evolved. And that's kind of the vision still today. Yeah, in the last in the last meeting of the committee before the proposal was forwarded uh, for approval, uh, Colonel Garrapi said, "What shall we recommend a name for the journal?" And uh, oh, we came up with all kinds of. Uh, we were in the in his uh, in the quarters uh, where they lived in their living room, and we for must an hour uh, we discuss all kinds of names. Um, but just before, and we were going to kind of give up and, and let the colonel and let the commissioners figure out a name. But, but finally someone said, what about word and deed? And, and, and there's a song in the army songbook uh, about that. Uh, and that, that immediately everyone agreed. That's a great name because um, it would be word and deed, a journal of Salvation Army theology word, and ministry deed. Uh, it also fits the Army's mission um, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to meet human needs in his name. And so, uh, yeah, so that's how it got named Word and Deed. What, what's been the most rewarding for you both as co-editors um, and in 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 this process the last 22 years and and how has it added to your understanding of the mission of the Salvation Army I think I think the most rewarding is uh, to see how many um, people there are out there soldiers officers friends of the army uh, with these great you know ideas these biblically grounded theological ideas that 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 perhaps they read a read a paper at a conference or something but and they come to word and deed and submit to word and deed and we are able to give that um, those thoughts and those writings uh, a new life um, and I think that's that's what's been very rewarding and we are now receiving uh, just in this last issue now, and now we're receiving articles from uh, other places, uh, not just from the United States, but from Canada or from uh, from England. Uh, and that's that's very rewarding to see that. But also to see how what an impact it word indeed has been able to make um, in Salvation Army theology and ministry. And so we're we're delighted about that. We see that uh, also as very rewarding. Interesting that the title seems to fit so well, the Army's understanding of salvation. Um, what does the Army contribute to the understanding of salvation? The 
the salvation is is uh, the, the you know the opportunity through word and deed is to people to people see the broad, long, impactful nature of God's salvation tied to to a creative God who who is relational. Salvation is about relational God's uh, grace through covenant and promises and his faithfulness uh, that take us to a salvation that is just not, you know, get saved, go to heaven, uh, but get saved and in, in, in the acquaintance process and journey with God himself through the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, a Trinitarian uh, journey um, with God, uh, a journey that we, that others come along that on that journey with us, and because we're as men and women were created in His image, and that journey uh, is a journey forward into intimacy with God and into uh, God's plan of a new creation, and and so um, there's so much I'm not getting to say here because of the limitations of time and whatever, but I don't have to say it. I mean, you can, uh, we can, the, we have had wonderful authors who focus in uh, on a part of that creation journey, that creation story, the gospel message, the gospel story, which is our story uh, because it has been his story and he's let us in on it. Uh, I think another way to say it is, is, um, we have a, the Trinity is a social, relational reality, and we're invited to the table. We're invited to the dance, and and for that, in in a, in, a, in in a thousand ways by authors, to to be amplified uh, in as many different uh, threads of, in the mosaic of of salvation. At any rate, I should stop. And, uh, well, I could add to that, um, too, uh, because of this this kind of central uh, biblical um, theological theme, which runs from Genesis to the book of the Revelation. Um, in the history of the church, there have been many different ways to look at this theme. Um, some of them have been really biblically based. Some of them have not been. But, um, but we believe that one of the central ways of looking at the theme of salvation is through the life, the ministry, the teaching of John Wesley. And uh, William and Catherine Booth, as they founded the Christian Mission and the Salvation Army, William and Catherine Booth were not just generically Christian people. These were people who were embedded in Wesleyan thought and Wesleyan theology. And so they explained and preached and taught and grew an army around the, around the theme of salvation. It was a genius um, naming the Christian mission, the Salvation Army, um, but also see that through Wesleyan, through a Wesleyan understanding of what salvation is that Jonathan has just explained. And so we have... Uh, very clearly, we have a, um, a, a a biblical and a Wesleyan heritage, and we think that the and the army has is clearly a part of that, and word indeed is able to accentuate that in terms of who we are. So that becomes important to this whole theme of salvation. 
And, and the, the relationship between Booth and Wesley, even though they lived at different times, Wesley, uh, Booth was thoroughly, the Booths, both of them, thoroughly uh, guided by the life and the writing and the ministry of of Wesley. But Wesley's roots go all the way back into the patristics, uh, into the early church fathers. Uh, and and he, he said about himself, he was... A, uh, he was a man of one book. Now he was a man of many books, but by, by that he meant the Bible um, and the gospel narrative. And so one of the things we've tried to do with Word and Deed is to have people who will write about theology and its integration with ministry from a Wesleyan, from a Salvation Army Wesleyan perspective. And when, when that happens, they just don't stop at Wesley. They often will go back into church history um, in, in, uh, and into even the early church fathers kinds of discussions. So let me just uh, uh, say that uh, I had a friend who liked to, he was Baptist. He liked to say, you know, we Baptists think that the, uh, the church started with Billy Graham's birthday. And uh, he was, you know, this was his joke. And I said to him, well, you know, sometimes the Salvationists think it started with uh, William Booth's birthday, uh, because um, sometimes we, we lose sight of the long history, the church history, um, and, and, uh, and the very special place that uh, uh, Wesley, John Wesley played uh, in the lives of uh, William and Catherine Booth and, 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 uh, and how that plays out through our life in terms of what it means to uh, to experience a full salvation, uh, I mean, saved from sin, but saved uh, in the uh, uh, into uh, Christ likeness. Looking back over the years, I'm sure you had quite a few challenges pulling this all together. What what have been some of the challenges that you have faced? I think one of the challenges initially was to. Um, get people to see the importance of this journal. And uh, we needed to get subscribers um, to um, to understand that. And that that took some that took some hard work. And we not only wanted individual subscribers, which was important, but we also wanted institutional subscriptions uh, from the training colleges, for example. Um, and some of the training colleges accepted that; others did not. I think they weren't sure exactly how they were going to use. Word indeed in their curriculum, in their teaching. Now, since then, there's been a whole kind of educational process where Word indeed um, is is um, out to the training colleges. In fact, to the training colleges around the world now, which for which we are extremely grateful. And also, it's it means that um, it, it means that right from the very beginning of their training, the cadets in the training colleges are seeing the importance of the journal for their own ministry, for their own life, for their own ministry, and hopefully carry that forward into their ministry. And that also now has expanded um, to 
places like Booth University College in Winnipeg. And I know that uh, Booth University College uses Word and Deed for many of their courses and integrates the articles of Word and Deed into many of their courses. So I think some of those initial challenges of are, are people going to subscribe? Are institutions going to subscribe? Maybe the initial challenge, is the Army going to continue to underwrite this? Are they going to continue to see this as viable? I mean, those were initially some some real challenges, I think. And um, and uh, fortunately, uh, we've been able to move through those challenges, and, and we're grateful for that. Yeah, I might say that uh, also Booth College in uh, Sydney, Australia, has has been getting the journal uh, all, all you know close to two decades now, um, and uh, and have been and that that ha- we've had some great authors tied to the faculty there that have contributed over, over the years as well. I think another challenge uh, has been just to be patient uh, about. The, the, the growth of a familiarity and an interest in the journal. The journals, the journal was an innovation, and and you know the cur- the curve in innovations is uh, that they're is driven by early adopters uh, and there are early subscribers, uh, but not a whole lot. Um, but with time, um, the word gets on and gets passed to uh, people who are adopters and then late adopters, and and so. As we've looked at it, we haven't statistically looked at it, but, but it, we've observed that it's, it's caught on more and more and more and caught on uh, up and down the line uh, of, of, of the Army, um, but really uh, very much consistently uh, supported and, and promoted by national headquarters and, and the people who have come and go and gone in the commissioner's conference. And so we're, we're grateful for that. This is such a labor of love that you two are engaged in as co-editors. I'm just um, curious, you know, we know what it takes to put together cogent material for readers, for audiences. I'm just wondering how you go about corralling and gathering information and what you see as potentials for improving that process. Well, uh, yeah, that's a good question, and that that also maybe moves into the to the early challenges as well, and maybe even to some present challenges. One of the things that we discussed quite a bit uh, when the journal began, or when we were uh, envisioning the journal, was how many times a year should we publish the journal, and and um, I think. I think it's fair to say that both Jonathan and I felt that um, to begin with, it should only be published twice a year because we weren't sure of the resources. We weren't sure of what we had out there, uh, you know, to be able to publish this twice a year. Now, other journals publish many more times than twice a year, but we knew that if we publish uh, a good journal with good articles, good sermons and so forth, book book reviews, book notes twice a year, that we could always expand on that if we if we felt that we were able to. Um, right now, I know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly a proponent of keeping it at twice a year and trying to make those two times a year really, really excellent. We fortunately um, 
as I mentioned, we're, we're getting many more than we did early on where we had to solicit um, people to write for us and so forth. And now, fortunately, now we're, we're getting uh, people knowing about Word and Deed. And so they're uh, unsolicited. They're sending in articles for us to take a look at and, and to see if we can use them for Word and Deed. So we're grateful for that. So we, we, we often will reach out to people. If we hear a paper read at a conference, if we hear a good sermon somewhere, we will reach out and ask if they would like to have this published in Word and Deed. Um, but also people know about us, and so they readily um, subscribe, uh, give us their material. So it's 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 kind of a dance in a way. It's between you know the, the, us reaching out and they're um, wanting to uh, publish in Word and Deed. And so that's how the process goes goes but it's it's easier process than it was initially um and we have some such fine contributors um that we could name uh, that you have seen if you've read word and deed through the years and uh we're always grateful uh for their support and we're grateful also for the support of the board as well to help us to identify uh writers for word and deed over the years, um, we've we've kept our eye open for where papers come from. Uh, in in the early years, uh, we benefited by the, uh, the different uh, international symposia of theology and ethics, and so there have been four of those that I'm aware of. And and those symposia early on were also had a strong link with the International Doctrine Council that uh, Roger served on. And then when he went off the council, I, I was invited on. And so we stayed in, in touch with, with the council that who, and the council was these, um, the backstopping those international symposia and the papers from those symposia were very helpful. But there was also for a number of years, uh, the Coots lecture in Sydney, Australia. Um, and I think Roger, you were a, a lecturer at one point. In that. And um, and so those papers uh, we had for quite a while, uh, and then they stopped. But about the time they stopped, um, some papers also came up at the um, the ASBL uh, Salvation Army gathering of of uh, academics. Maybe you could comment on that uh, in a moment, Roger. But but also things like the International Spiritual Life Commission and. Um, uh, the, the theology uh, symposia that uh, territories sometimes put on 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 holiness. So um, we keeping our eye out for for those kinds of opportunities have been a real uh, a source of, of good content for the journal. Right. Two that I could add to that uh, would be the Andrew Miller lecture at Asbury. That, that's been very helpful. Also, um, a lot of Salvationists would not know the American Academy of Religion and the Society of Biblical Literature. Those are two major um, uh, groups that meet every year. And um, they are people who teach in, in 
internationally, people who teach in the areas of biblical studies and theological studies and biblical languages and teach theology and so forth. And they come together every year somewhere, uh, usually in the United States, for meetings. And there's usually about 10,000 people who come to these meetings. Well, years ago, the Army had a, a small session. Um, these these large groups, of course, break up into hundreds of small groups. And the Army started a small session um, and I think they entitled it um, Scholars and Friends of the Salvation Army or something like that. And and we meet every year and papers are given uh, at, at that session every year. And those are those are given by, in fact, this very coming issue in November, we have one of the papers given, it was given at one of these American Academy of Religion sessions by the Army. They have been very helpful to us. And as far as we know, we'll continue into the future as well. Um, so that's, uh, so we, we're always looking out for these kinds of uh, opportunities. Who would you both consider as exceptional proponents of holiness and in today's world, yeah, there there's a treasure trove of uh, faculty at Asbury Seminary, um, and also uh, some overlap with that uh, with the Francis Asbury Society in Wilmore, Kentucky. Certainly, that's a that's a treasure trove of speakers, preachers, uh, writers. In, yeah, in, in terms of why does it matter, that's a good question. If I could just address that first. It, and that, in a sense, relates to your question earlier about salvation. Um, holiness matters because it is the central theme of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. It is it is a part of this large vision of what salvation is all about. And so um, thematically for the journal, we, we have tried to place this as kind of the heartbeat of of Salvation Army theology, biblical theology, Wesleyan theology. We have had many people who have, you know, contributed through the years who have an understanding of holiness. I I just mentioned a few. I mean, and these are all within the army. Although, as Jonathan mentioned, there are there's several outside of the army in um, at Asbury Seminary, Asbury University, and so forth. But um, and I think there are people like uh, Dr. Dennis Kinlaw, for example, um, who was a remarkable teacher and preacher on holiness. And any of us who attended, in my case, Asbury Seminary, in Jonathan's case, Asbury College, uh, her Dr. Kinlaw preach many times and uh, really, really remarkable. And his work still kind of resonates through the years. But we have some people that I believe have kind of laid out um, holiness very well in the Salvation Army. And I think of people like Commissioner Bill Francis, a friend of Jonathan and mine. I think of Dr. David Wrightmeyer, who, by the way, wrote the biography of Brengel um, and also wrote a magnificent book, one of the best books that I've ever read in the army, specifically on the army's sacramental theology, and so I think of, I think of David when I think of um, when I think of someone t- kind of teaching and preaching holiness. Um, so we've got people within the army that that um, I think are good kind of models for this. Yeah. <clears throat> I'd add to that um, from Asbury Seminary, um, Steve Siemens, Stephen Siemens. Um, he's in a, a four-man uh, peer discipling uh, group with me, um, and I've been reading Steve's stuff for years on holiness. 
Uh, he's he's published several several books. He he's uh, he speaks internationally, and uh, and he just retired. He he's, teaches a little part time. If there's uh, if there's someone in, and he has a strong sense of ministry that which goes back to the journal. It's a journal of theology and <clears throat> and ministry or ortho orthodoxy and orthopraxy, the practice, you know, theory and practice. And so uh, Steve Siemens, uh, he he would be. And he's and he's done officers' councils in the past. Yeah, Jonathan and I are both grateful to be on the Wesleyan Holiness uh, Consortium. I guess it's now called the Wesleyan Holiness Connection, and uh, that's a consortium or connection of uh, many of the holiness denominations, like the Salvation Army. Uh, Colonel, you are also by virtue of your office you're on that as well and by uh, and so we meet up yearly in a steering committee um, across the country with um, wonderful holiness advocates from the Nazarenes and the free Methodists and the Wesleyan Methodists and so forth and uh, and uh, and that's that's really a wonderful kind of connection for us um, to understand how holiness is being taught and preached um, by by these other people people who attend the Wesleyan Holiness Connection as well. So there's there's really a rich rich resources out there. And at National Headquarters, you, you have your holiness ambassadors at the National Headquarters. So I think all of this points to the fact that the Army is really, um, we feel that it's really come back in a sense to its biblical and Wesleyan roots. I I'm not sure that's always been the case, but that's who we are. That's who we have been. That's who God called us to be. And so um, so these people who are helping us to understand what holiness is all about in its fullness are really helping us to understand what the army is all about um, in its fullness, in word and in deed. I just, uh, I guess we have just a couple more questions in closing. One is, what does the future hold for this journal, right? Well, I'll just say it, I, I think the future now is very, very bright for this journal because the journal not only goes to all officers in the United States, it, but it goes to all the training colleges in the world. I think I'm correct in that. Am I not? Yeah. So, so it's having an international impact, yeah. and it goes to it goes to leadership. Uh, the leadership, yeah, in the various um, some how, what fifty how many uh, territories in the world, but the territorial leadership around the world gets that fifty five, well. yeah, fifty five, fifty five territories. Several uh, retired officers internationally still get it. So well, we are very optimistic about the future now of word and deed. Um, you know, in, when you do a journal like this, in the first two or three years, you don't know really what's going to happen. And there have been other Salvation Army, various magazines, journals that that have only gone a year or two and then they have folded. So, um, but as we persevered, and now you get to twenty-two years and 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 still going, um, that's reason for good hope for the future. The other, th the other thing uh, about the future is I, I think there's a readership out there in laity, Salvationist laity who are professionals. So they're, you know, uh, they're they're physicians, um, they're lawyers, uh, they're engineers, and um, 
uh, I think connecting the journal with them, and many of them are are kind of lapsed in their salvationism. But I think the journal could be a way of connecting with them as well. I'm not I'd have to really think some more or get a group together that would brainstorm. You know, how would we start the early adopters of lapsed salvationist professionals? And, and again, I, I think of my four brothers. My four brothers are all physicians. Uh, only one is a faithful salvationist. But they've all been interested in, from time to time, the articles that I send them from, from Word and Deed. Yeah, this is it's such a, you know, this is a scholarly journal. You gentlemen are, you know, scholars yourselves. But there's, there's, uh, we don't want our readers to miss the point that there's, there's joy in this publication as well as strong messages. And from our standpoint, um, we'd like to know or what your thoughts are on how, you know, the, the readership tends to be a rather well-knit select group. How, how do you see it expanding its audience base and appealing to a wider audience? Yeah. You know, I, I think um, there's uh, an, still lots of opportunity to, to really work on the idea of theology and ministry being integrated. Uh, I see a great possibility for the future. Uh, the army is so highly regarded for serving people on the margins, etc. And it's on, it's, it's in that, that not only the people on the margins being served, but people who, uh, who want to be part of that. Uh, and not just by dropping money in the kettle, um, but there, there's a real opportunity, uh, for what the army connects so well, uh, with community, uh, that we, I think we, we can be bolder about them understanding the, really the, the framework uh, of a full salvation, what a fully saved means. It means more than just getting saved, going to heaven, of course. Um, so I think I think the future to work to find writers and uh, thinkers who will help connect the, the, and integrate the army's theology with the army's ministry, and and um, because sometimes they they get they get separated or, or they get uh, there's a better word for it. So let me leave it at that. I, I think there's a future there that could be mine. There's there's gold in them that are hills. Yeah. And Jeff, uh, something came to mind as you asked that question too. I think we we are doing a better job all the time uh, in helping the training colleges and Booth University College is way ahead on this, but helping the training colleges to make Word and Deed a part of an integral part of their curriculum, so that Army officers, as they're in training, will. be, you know, we'll kind of come into the habit of reading Word and Deed, using Word and Deed for, uh, for study, for sermons, for their ministry, and so forth, so that, so that it may appear to some of them initially to be um, something that might be a bit over their head, or they might not be able to come to grips with, and so forth. But I think as part of the training process, if, if they can get used to to using word and deed and to reading word and deed and studying word and deed, uh, they'll they'll carry that over into their ministry, and and it will then be just a kind of a normal part of their ministry. I think the other thing that Jonathan and I work hard at 
and this is where we, uh, we want to work more at this in the future is having more sermons um, in word and deed to accentuate uh, by sermons the the uh, the ministry the theology and the ministry of of word and deed and of the Salvation Army. And it might be for some of our people for whom the articles might be a bit difficult, they might find the sermons to be extremely helpful, uh, both in terms of theology and ministry. So we're trying to, um, the best we can, we're trying to hit the middle ground in a sense with word and deed. Yeah, yeah, you said that better than I did, uh, Roger and the, but um, but what we're what we're saying is is there's a really is an incredible future if the army in its mission statement if the gospel as it's preached and the needs as they're met uh, if that theological and ministry connection uh, can be really part of of what the army communicates internally uh, and celebrated internally within the army. Uh, but given away, uh, whether it's advisory boards or people who help with um, food pantries or, you know, what the army has. Uh, and, and you said it earlier, uh, people have picked this up. They come to uh, in this holiness leadership gatherings. Um, we have something uh, that God has established and, and over 150 some years leadership has been faithful to. And I think the future of the journal of Word and Deed is just to be part of giving this away, you know, transformatively at a, at a local and community level. And, and really, not just officers, but key lay people in the Army have a role to play in this. So I, I feel a sermon coming on, so I'll stop. Well, just a couple uh, last things here. Uh, Dr. Green, uh, uh, not to put any um, pressure on you, but I'm curious, and some of our listeners may be, this may be a a first for them. What's the status on this book you're working on about Bramwell Booth? Bramwell Booth. We're on the eighth chapter of Bramwell Booth. Uh, Just uh, very quickly say, this was the brainchild of my friend, uh, Major Peter Farthing in uh, Sydney, Australia. He came to me after the International Congress, and he felt that uh, Bramwell Booth uh, had kind of been ignored. I mean, we only had one biography of Bramwell Booth, and that was by his daughter, Commissioner uh, Catherine Bramwell Booth, and we had no other biographies of Bramwell Booth. And uh, also, his life ended in a, a bit of a tragedy with the, uh, you know, being deposed from being general. And then, um, you know, so so he felt that we needed to redeem Bramwell Booth. So he came to me and asked me if I would join him on this project. So so we're on chapter eight now. So we are moving along. Now, some chapters have as many as seven revisions. So, um, so it's not an easy process because we want to get this story. We want it to be a story that people will read and be caught up with. And, but we want it to be accurate as well. So, um, so we're, we're moving along and, and we're learning a lot about Bramwell Booth. Um, I meant, I, I mentioned that, uh, in the yearbook of the Salvation Army, that, Every every year, the yearbook, when you look at the uh, almost the first page of the yearbook, it talks about the founders 
of the Salvation Army. It lists William, Catherine, and Bramwell as the three founders of the Salvation Army. We often don't think of Bramwell as a founder of the Salvation Army, but in many ways he was. So we're glad to say that we are moving on on this project. Well, we, we really look forward to that. And I know, uh, Dr. Raymond, you're not letting any kind of moss grow under your feet at all. You've been kind of busy with a lot of different things. What's, uh, what are some of the things that you're engaging in these days? Well, two things, um, and it's been slow, um, uh, but we're, we're still on track with uh, 600 pages of the pastoral writings of uh, Colonel Lyle Rader. And so that that takes up a portion of my life every week, uh, going through uh, those papers and trying to organize them and conceptualize them thematically for uh, at least one volume. Um, I bought 600 pages. Um, you know, it could be three. You could do three volumes, four volumes, but um, but at least one really good that shares the the beautiful writings of of Lyle Rader. Um, secondly, I'm, I'm really thinking of, of, of uh, going deeper uh, on the idea of social holiness as it relates to the idea of peer discipling. That the in our in our Wesleyan history, John Wesley. Uh, what's well known with Wesley are class meetings and the groups of of uh, eight to 12 people who have not come to Christ or have come to Christ, but the gathering in small groups and, and the kind of uh, nurturing that happens with uh, newbies, new those who haven't become Christians yet and those who have and, and who struggle with what it means now to be a new Christian uh, and the peer support at that level. But Booth also had what's called bands and bands were mature Christians. And the idea that evangelism is establishing people in the kingdom, not just creating converts, but establishing them and growing them and maturing them and pursuing uh, uh, an, an entire sanctification. But uh, as, as Christ said himself and as Paul repeated it, uh, um, you know, there is a growing in grace. And, there's a, and so we have we have a literature uh, from Frederick Coots, from uh, Brangle, uh, from several others uh, who will talk about uh, the process of maturing, uh, but also the opportunity to be open to uh, the gift that Christ gives in terms of holiness. And so I'm, I'm working on, on this book uh, because I, 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 there's, a, there's kind of a gap between c- uh, coming to faith and, and going on really, to Christ-likeness, uh, there's kind of a gap there. And I think it has to do with with a, a need for more intentional peer discipleship at the levels people are in their journey and in their development. So I'm, I'm working on that, and I'm starting with uh, what I anticipate will be an article in the next issue of, of Word and Deed, which, but is really the, the framework for, for an expanded book. Well, on behalf of the Salvation Army world, we thank both of you for, first, your commitment to Christ, for your love for your families, 
for all of the mentoring, encouragement, uh, positivity, all the good things that you have both given to soldiers and officers and employees, friends in and out of the Salvation Army alike. Thank you for your example of showing us what word and deed is. Thank you for your persistence and thank you for what you're continuing to do. And And it's a joy for Jeff and I and our whole uh, publication side of here at National Headquarters to work with you. We're excited about the November issue. I know you're both grateful to our editor, Alex, who works in the background very quietly with you and with Versa uh, Press for bringing um, your work into paper. So thank you for taking time and being with us today. And thank you for all you do. Thank you, Colonel. And thanks to Jeff for being here and to Elizabeth for setting this up. We're amen. We're, amen. We're grateful. Yeah. It's great to yeah. be associated with both of you. Thank yeah. you. You know, it, it's been a joy and it is a joy and, uh, and a privilege and we're, we're grateful. We are. Stay well. Well, that's going to end this episode of the fight for good podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to follow us at The War Cry, thewarcry.org, or peermagazine.org on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Well, thank you again for taking some time and listening to us today. Until next time, this has been the Fight for Good podcast. Bye for now. Subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts.